Vicki Rupert McMahon, Chief Executive of the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. We're excited to bring you this week's My Bar Story. Throughout 2023, the CMBA will be hosting a series of podcasts that have created a living legacy in honor of our 150th anniversary. The response has been amazing, and these conversations are being shared around Northeast Ohio and even the world. Now let's get started with another bar story. Hi, I'm Paul Kapka, Senior Vice President and Chief Credit Officer at First Federal Lakewood Bank and First Preacher Holding Company and proud member of the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Foundation Board of Trustees. I believe it's my sixth or seventh year. Paul, I don't know that I've ever asked you the question Hmm. of when did you decide that you were going to go to law school? I had a a professor in undergrad, a constitutional law professor, who was excellent. Really took an interest in the law and uh, rule of law during the constitutional law class and thought, hey, it's a great career. My older brother also was an attorney. He graduated from Ohio State Law School, and so I had followed in his footsteps a little bit. So I don't want to date myself, but I did make the decision back in college that I think law school would be a great, great career path for me. So did your older brother give you any grief when uh, when you told him that you were going to follow in his footsteps to law school? That's a great question. Actually, he laughed at me. He said, are you sure you want to do that? He was a Z- graduated from Xavier, went to Ohio State Law School and loved the experience and uh, was a great mentor to me uh, as well. So I in some ways followed in his footsteps, but uh, he did give me the warning that it's, uh, it's a tremendous amount of work, but very rewarding as well. So I'm happy I did it. Absolutely. Yeah. And where did you go to law school and when did you graduate? So I went to Cleveland Marshall College of Law, as it was known at the time, and pursued a joint degree, a JD, MPA as well. So I graduated in uh, 1996 with a joint degree of JD, MPA. Led me into my career path. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit uh, in, uh, as well in public service, but I took the bar as well in 1996, and I think everybody has to say right that they passed it on the first time. Way so, to go, Paul! Happy to do that. Absolutely, not the thing you want to do more than once. It is not. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me about the MPA. What attracted you to that? Which, for those that don't know, it is the Masters <laughs> of Public Administration through Levin College of Urban Affairs, and always had an interest in, in public service and community development uh, in some fashion. It actually had interned then at uh, Cleveland City Council was was a real interesting spot. I worked a little bit in nonprofit as well. So going through law school, I'd made the decision that I probably didn't want to practice law in the traditional sense, which is great. So I was looking for different ways to leverage a law degree and working in the legal field, but maybe not in the traditional um, practice of law in an, in an office. So JDMPA was a great program at the time, I felt, and uh, I really took a liking to it. And I'm couldn't be happier that I did it. I was looking at your background when you came out of law school. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like your your first position with, was with the Historic Gateway Neighborhood Corporation. And it looks like you wore two hats. One hat was lawyer and the other hat was his director of development. Can you talk a little bit about that combination? I can. It was a fancy title. There were only uh, three of us in the office at the time. We're a small nonprofit and, uh, and really focusing in community development around the Gateway neighborhood at the time. It was the Indians were just uh, building a stadium, and there's a lot happening. So we were a nonprofit uh, group with a lot of economic development seed money to try to promote development uh, in the historic Gateway neighborhood. So I found it was a great combination of finance and law, and that's sort of followed me through my career as well at that time. But I felt that um, I could lend my expertise as a legal on some matters for the company and also uh, work in community development and promoting economic development in, in the neighborhood at the time. So it was a, it was a great mix. I felt of the JDMPA uh, degree at the time. Yeah, and I can't help, I know you well enough in terms of what you do today with First Federal Mm -hmm. Lakewood and First Mutual Holding Company. It sounds an awful lot like that same combination you had coming right out of law school. It does. And Becky, I appreciate that. It sort of followed me through my entire career that 
Um, I, I enjoy practicing law in some capacity. I love a lot of aspects about the law, but again, not maybe not the traditional sense of practicing law, but marrying up a lot of what, what lawyers do with what folks in the finance and banking world do. It's, it's led to a sort of a joint role through a lot of my career. And I really enjoy that. So maybe instead of focusing in one area or one uh, specific um, area of the law or finance, it's allowed me to, to sort of broaden my horizons a little bit and it keeps me really interested. So I love what I do and I'm, I'm happy that I made the choice. Absolutely. I assume that you know that the vast majority of lawyers go to law school so that they never, ever have to do math again. That's right. <laughs> so you are definitely in a minority. Very unique, right? That's right. <laughs> Although another conversation is uh, my, my, my personal bent to educate every lawyer on why they need to understand finance, why that's they right. need to under the, understand the basics. But that's another conversation. I appreciate it. I guess the broader the skill set, the better generally. And I, and I think it helps. So as you think about where you are in your career today and where you were when you were first mm -hmm. starting out in the mid-90s, are there things that you wish you had known then that you know now? One way I think it's important in all aspects of life maybe is time management. Well, it's not just in the office, but making time for yourself as well outside of your office with your family, making sure that, you know, from a well-rounded perspective, you offer yourself enough time and time as well to manage um, things outside of the office. So it's great to be task-oriented and get accomplish things in the office and especially work with clients or other obligations. But at the end of the day, managing time so that you have some time to yourself, I think makes for a more well-rounded person in a lot of ways. As I reflect back on my career, I probably could have done a better job at that, but I've learned a little bit here as I've uh, matured a bit that that's important as well. You've been at First Federal Lakewood for more than a decade. What originally brought you to the bank? Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. So I can't believe it's been that long, right? So uh, a lot of different things led me to a pathway here, but at the end of the day, you know, working in community development, I think in the back of my mind is always something that I wanted to do. I enjoyed working for a nonprofit, and uh, while obviously First Federal Liquid Bank is a for-profit company, we're a community-based bank and really work with our customers and our communities and in a lot of ways, the collaboration and, and just the, um, the atmosphere of working among the banks sort of mirrors um, some of my career stops, including at, with a nonprofit. So... It's a great place to work. It's a great community uh, organization. Uh, we, we do a lot in, in many different communities. Can you talk a little bit mm -hmm. about what it means to be a mutually owned bank? Yeah, so mutually owned bank is is owned by the depositors, right? So it's an old fashioned way of old fashioned the right word, but a historic way of of uh, maybe historic isn't the right word either, but traditional way of banking of taking deposits from the community and lending back out within the community. Mutual banks you know, thrived in the 30s and 40s when banking was, uh, was in a different spot. And it's a great way to stay connected with the community members, the schools, with customers, with local businesses, and, and really work with them. And mutuals are unique in that way that, that really owned by our depositors, the folks that have accounts with us. In a world where change seems to be constant, I am struck by the mutual form of ownership under which the bank was organized in 1935 seems just as relevant today it in does. 2023. Can you talk about why that, that concept of mutuality really resonates with you individually? Working with our communities and with our customers is paramount. No matter how big or small we are, the customer is always most important to us. So we'll, we'll work with the customer if they work with us. And we work with local businesses, local schools, and the business and organizations that are embedded within our communities and are part of the, part of the threadbare of our communities we love working with. And I think that's mutuality at its roots. We have other banks that are part of our company that, that are in different communities, and they're all structured the same way. They work with their local businesses, local communities, and that, and that feeling of mutuality and, and collaboration and, and helping uh, those in the community really resonates through our entire company. Tell us a little bit about what uh, Chief Credit Officer does. 
I'm not sure. Let me, let me <laughs> just kidding. I'm responsible for uh, credit across the enterprise. We monitor performance of our loan portfolio. We set lending guidelines for business and uh, commercial and residential customers. So it's really keep an eye on, you know, one of the most important functions of a bank, which is extending credit and monitoring that performance of credit. I think my legal background helps in that regard. A lot of these are transactions are finance related and, and married up with a little bit of legal impact as well. So it's it's really, at the end of the day, responsible for the performance of the, of the loans across the enterprise. I know that you were intimately involved in the circumstances around the 2008-2009 financial, mm-hmm. I'll call it crisis. Uh, and I know that it's it was a point of distinguishment for First Federal Lakewood. Can you talk a little bit about how First Federal Lakewood worked through that time period? As a mutual bank, again, we're really interested in working with all of our customers. So if folks are experiencing financial stress, like many did in 2008 and 2009, as long as they reached out to us and responded, we were happy to, to, to work with them. The last thing any bank wants to do, including ours, is to repossess anybody's property, including a house. So if we can work with folks who are experiencing a bit of financial distress, we're happy to do that and work out terms under which they can stay in their house, stay with their families, stay employed, and do all the things that are important in the community. So as a mutual bank, we can do that. We call it taking the long view. So we're more interested in in the um, long-term view, value and success of our customers than, than short-term, and we're able to, to work with customers in that regard. Loan customers on both the residential and the commercial side that were experiencing um, difficulties, we were we were more than happy to work with and keep them employed in their houses, absolutely. We had a, a crisis um, during the pandemic as well in, in 2020 and 2021. A lot of folks were wondering what was happening. A lot of businesses were trying to participate in a loan program uh, called the PPP for short. As a community bank, we're able to work with a lot of those local customers that maybe some other banks uh, weren't. If we weren't a mutual bank, I'm not sure we would have been able to do that. But by participating in those programs and really taking time to listen to our customers and work with them during the terms of crisis, that's when folks need you, right? When there's something happening that's disruptive. And the last thing you want to think about is, oh boy, what is the bank going to do to me? We're the opposite. Hey, we're here to help you. And if if you'll work with us, we'll work with you and we can get through this together. And that's, that's what we did in 2020 as well, in 21. You know, I was going to ask you, as you think about your career, whether there are some some proud accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And I think what you just described, at least as this listener, has got to be at the top of the list. We had folks that couldn't come into the office. So we, we hired a group of interns, I don't know, 15 or 20 college uh, students that were home, didn't know a thing about banking at all. So we, we developed on the fly a training program for all of them, not only to help us on the loan programs, but also to learn a little bit about banking and what a bank does. Well, lo and behold, after COVID, three or four of them came back to interview, and two of them are with us today. So folks who had really no interest in banking at all ended up finding a career path that was that fits for them. You couldn't have given me a better segue into the work that you do with the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association and Bar Foundation, because a big part of what the foundation does is to raise money to support we exactly do. the kind of programs that in the legal arena that you just described FFL did on the front lines. Absolutely. And Becky, that's a great segue. And I have to be honest, I didn't know a lot about the Bar Foundation when uh, when I was asked to think about it at, at breakfast at uh, a restaurant in Rock River called Joe's, a great spot. But uh, I've learned that we, not only the programs are great, but the, the mechanism for funding them is really tremendous. It really is based on fundraising and managing our endowment and in, in a way that's appropriate and provides uh, funding for all of all the great programs that the, that the association manages. I had no idea there was such a breadth of programs. Through my tenure at, at the foundation, I've really learned that, boy, we do we really do some great work. And as our vice president for finance uh, on the foundation board of directors, you've been instrumental these last couple of years in really helping us stay on top of and steering where that endowment goes. And part of being uh, 
vice president of finance is working really close with the grants and grants committee as well. And that's where I started, I think, my first uh, committee at, at the foundation. I'm really, really learning from a hands-on approach how great the programs are and what goes into them. Well, your passion uh, for the bar and the bar foundation has clearly led you then into being a leader who helped us put together the 150th anniversary legacy campaign. You and your wife, Carrie, personally stepped forward to support it. You also were instrumental in introducing us to the broader First Federal Lakewood community, uh, and First Federal came in in a big way to support mm-hmm. it. Can you talk a little bit, Paul, about why it was important for you personally and for First Federal Lakewood to play a leadership role in the Legacy 150 campaign? For I think for a lot of reasons, and I alluded to it maybe as my tenure as has educated me a bit on the on the programs that that are really special and really neat. And the three R's comes to mind. It's one of the unbelievable programs that that the Bar Association manages. The number of hours that have donated, and over 15 years, the number of students that that the Bar Association and Foundation have helped through the Cleveland Public Schools and the East Cleveland City Schools is absolutely tremendous. It's one of the bellwether programs I feel of the association. And what better way to support as a bank and as an individual than a program that that's giving back? Do you have a favorite program? You know, if I had to pick one other than the bar, Rock the Bar, which isn't really a program, I would have to say the Stokes Scholars, actually, Becky. And, and that's a really neat program where folks who are really interested in law school, and I think they're college students, yeah. that's showing interest in the rule of law and um, probably and possibly pursuing a legal career, um, have the opportunity to intern with law firms. I think there's folks have gone through the Stokes Scholarship Program through law school and have passed the bar. I think there's six or seven attorneys in Ohio have gone through the program, uh, three or four out of state and several more sitting for the bar. So what a way to learn about the legal profession, interning with a law firm and, and deciding, hey, I want to do this and carrying it to fruition. So the folks that have gone through that program, um, and we've met several of them, they're really impressive. They're helping run programs at the association. They're involved in the communities. It, it's really unbelievable. So if I had to pick one, it, it absolutely would be the Stokes Scholars Program for sure. That's a great pick. As somebody who's been in the legal community since the mid nineties mm-hmm. and that combination of law and business and finance and other sort of areas, Paul, that you focus on. I'm curious, mm-hmm. what what do you think is the value of being involved in the Bar Association today? A simple answer is it gives folks an, an avenue to uh, volunteer their time and become involved. That's sort of a given. You know, providing a voice for the legal community is absolutely critical for the Bar Association, but what I've kind of found is the unseen uh, civic-mindedness and volunteer hours that go on behind the scenes is really critical. And for folks that want to be involved or not, or be recognized or not, I and mean, even folks who aren't lawyers, you know, we have a number of folks in the foundation that are community leaders that might not be lawyers. It provides them an a- avenue to really become involved, you know, help promote, again, the rule of law through different avenues, or just spend some time with, you know, on in, with city schools or in other programs as well. So it really provides a tremendous amount of opportunities for folks to get involved. Thank you for joining us for another edition of My Bar Story. We appreciate the hundreds of you who have downloaded and subscribed to this podcast. Let's keep this conversation going. Visit clemetrobar.org forward slash podcast to listen, subscribe, and to schedule a recording of your own bar story. See you next week.